Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and I'm a certified holistic health and nutrition coach. And today we're broadcasting worldwide from Malibu, California. This afternoon, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Jack Cruz, a neurosurgeon who is all about the paleo diet. And he has a few tips for us today about weight loss, specifically how to activate your fat-burning pathway by optimizing the PPP. Now, today's podcast is going to help you better understand how to start hitting your weight loss goals and why you're hitting plateaus in your weight loss efforts. But before we get started, I have to do a little disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature and is not intended to diagnose, cure, or heal any disease. So please consult your healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment you hear on this show. And please go check out my website, livetoone110.com. I started a site to educate you about paleo nutrition and the importance of detoxing from heavy metals and industrial chemicals that I believe are one of the major underlying causes of disease. And uh, my goal with livetoone110.com is to help you prevent disease and live a long, healthy life. And if you like what you hear on today's show, please give Live to 110 podcast a nice review and rating in iTunes. This will help people around the world to find the show easier and get my word out on health, and I would appreciate it so much. So let's get on today with the show. Um, I'm very excited to have Dr. Jack Cruz on the show. Um, the goal with his website, jackcruz.com, K-R-U-S-E.com, and his books and webinars is to start a dialogue about how to evolve healthcare using informed patients as foot, shoulder, foot soldiers. And he is definitely hell-bent on changing the process of how medicine is practiced and healthcare is delivered in this country. So, hello, Dr. Cruz. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Um, first, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself Great. and your mission? Sure. Uh, my name's Jack Cruz, and I am a neurosurgeon by trade. That's what I consider my day job. And I used to be quite heavy. I was about 360 pounds about 10 years ago. And through a variety of different channels, I decided to try to reverse that process. And I went the conventional route um, that I learned in medical school, basically eat less and exercise more. And all I found is that I gained more weight by doing that. Um, so then I decided uh, to take a new approach. And the approach that basically I decided to do is basically throw all biochemistry, um, just about everything I learned out the window, and go back to three fundamental laws. And those three fundamental laws were basically uh, the photoelectric effect, water, and magnetism. And the reason I... laws or not anybody else's laws and if you look on earth or you talk to any physicist how they look for life and other planets is they look for those three factors uh, if you look at on planet earth we have all three and if you look to our nearest neighbor in mars it, it has two out of three it has light it has water it, that are frozen at its poles but what doesn't it have is a magnetic field and it's a dead desert um, basically, from that framework, um, I then began to look 
at my obesity from a quantum perspective. And I started to realize that most people look at fat people believing that they're full of energy because that's how people perceive fat. But many times the way we look at things is colored by our perception of that. And I started to realize fairly quickly that being obese is actually an energy deficient state, uh, not an excess state. And I started to realize that I was losing electrons and protons from my body to the environment. And I started to make connections um, in many different disciplines of science, both geology, uh, quantum physics, geophysics, um, chemistry, biology, uh, just across the gamut. And I started to come up with a bunch of theories, and I, I wrote a document uh, called the Quilt Document. I guess it was in about 2005 or 2006, putting all these ideas down from 1 through 30. And I, then I started the experiment on myself. When I felt that I had it all together, I decided uh, I would go in front of my family and tell them, look, I'm going to do something very different. Uh, but I think I may have figured out something that's pretty counterintuitive. So I told my family the day before Thanksgiving, I believe it was in 2006, that in one year that I would be significantly smaller than what I was. And they kind of all laughed at me when I said it, but in one year I wound up dropping 133 pounds, and I did it exactly opposite uh, how I was taught in medical school. I did it by eating more and exercising less. Uh, and that's kind of how things started getting started, and eventually many people in my family started using it, and then people in my clinic wanted to know exactly what I was doing to have this effect, and I told everybody in the beginning, if I actually told you what I did, you actually wouldn't believe it because many, many of the steps are extremely counterintuitive. And the reason they're counterintuitive is because they go against our, our cultural and social beliefs. Um, but here's the funny thing about quantum physics. Many of the things that you hear about in the quantum world sound very counterintuitive too. But yeah, these are the laws of nature. This is actually how things work. Um, and if you use nature's laws as your straight edge for your biology, what you'll find is that you will eventually be quite, quite well. In fact, you'll do things that other people believe that are not possible. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned your blog that life began at the ocean floor with a constant stream of alkaline-laced chemicals loaded in electron density, resulting in an environment that was extremely chemically reduced. And the PPP stands for the pentose phosphate pathway and is the most reducing biochemical pathway critical for longevity, life, and ultimate performance. Can you tell us a little bit about PPP's evolutionary purpose and how this uh, this realization helped you find this pathway in humans that mimics these effects? Sure. I mean, the, the key factor for the PPP is when I, when I started to put all of these quantum things together and I realized that obesity is actually energy deficient state, uh, I then went back to what we did know from evolutionary biology about actually where life started on this planet. And when you look at where it started on the planet, it was in a soup 
of water uh, that was very electron dense but had a lot of um, reducing chemicals in it. So I decided, well, if that's how life started and all life is energy, then in order to get energy back into me and reduce my obesity, I needed to look in a biochemistry book to find out which pathway in humans was the most reducing chemical pathway in our body. And I found it relatively quickly in the pentose phosphate pathway. And it's not a pathway that a lot of people know a ton about, but when you begin to study it and begin to study what its main functions are, um, every single one of these functions is usually important to our biology, and they are actually foundational, you know, to our biology. For example, um, the pathway provides three main functions. The first one is it, it gives the major reducing power for all biosynthetic reactions. What does that mean? It basically uh, provides electrons to flow across your inner mitochondrial membrane for you to make ATP. Uh, in mitochondria, it also regenerates coenzyme uh, uh, A. It also generates something called NADP and NADPH. It also uh, provides FAD, which is one of the uh, cytochrome uh, entry points, specifically cytochrome 2 in the mitochondria. But the big one is that it also uh, converts hexoses to pentoses, which are hugely important. And the one that may interest you the most, since you know your website is tied into detoxification pathways, uh, it serves. This pathway serves as the major biochemical reductant to maintaining glutathione levels everywhere in the body. So this is this is the pathway that actually forms the basis of the cytochrome system, the cytochrome P450 system, uh, and all the detox pathways used in the liver to get rid of all but to clear the toxins that are present in your environment. Yeah, so that's yeah. the major functions of the pathway. Yeah, and can you tell us a little more about the importance of NADPH and also its link with DHEA? Well, I mean, it's a huge factor. If you do not have enough NADPH, I mean, basically, and this is this goes to um, a little bit complex hormonal biochemistry, but what eventually happens? DHEA levels will crash and burn. Um, I have a, a saying when I do a quick biohack on someone that the only three things I really need to know is your highly sensitive CRP, which is a measure of your inflammation, your DHEA level, and your vitamin D level. And the reason why DHEA is important, it's the hormone that's right in the middle of your, um, your hormone chain. And if it's decreased, it immediately tells me that you're metabolically inefficient, i.e. your Ferrari is not well-tuned, and it also is a big insight to me that you are not living in the fat-burning pathway. In fact, you're using carbohydrates to fuel most of the biosynthetic reactions in your body because you cannot generate enough ATP. It also is part of the reason why DHEA is directly linked to high levels of IL-6 in the brain, 
It also uh, carries a 98% uh, relationship to our sleep efficiency. So anybody with a low DHEA level, by definition, has poor sleep. And if you know anything about poor sleep and DHEA, these are directly coupled to a process in the body called autophagy. And autophagy is directly linked to how good, bad, or indifferent the person uses the pentose phosphate pathway. Yeah, and so so if someone has a low DHEA, how do you increase their levels of DHEA or their levels of NADPH so that they can begin get in that fat burning pathway and lose weight? Well, that that is, that on the surface seems like a good question, but it's way more complex than just that. You need uh-huh. to understand first what caused low DHEA level. And, and what I tell people is that you need to have a serial battery of tests to figure out what actually is causing it. Because there's many different causes of a low DHEA, but today the major cause is something called the chronic pregnenolone steel syndrome. And a chronic pregnenolone steel syndrome uh, has many different causes, but the most common one if people don't know what pregnenolone does, it's, it's the hormone that's two steps before DHEA. We make pregnenolone from LDL cholesterol, and the way we do that is we have to have adequate levels of free T3, which is thyroid hormone, and we have to have adequate levels of vitamin A. Now, where does vitamin A come into the story? Vitamin A is actually how the brain controls the photo period during the day. So in other words, if we're exposed to a lot of artificial light or background EMF, Uh, free T3 is directly related uh, to our energy efficiency from our diet. Generally, we want to have a diet that's loaded with seafood and that's ketogenic. Um, T3 can also be raised by carbohydrates, um, but generally if we eat carbohydrates out of the photo period, we'll actually see a diminished free T3 level. Uh, and this is kind of why I look at food completely differently than most other people, because when people see food, they see calories, they see carbohydrates, fats, and protein. I don't. I look at food as a way uh, of quantification of the photoelectric effect, and what I mean by that is carbohydrates grow in long life cycles. Fats are present usually all of the time. So when you start to use nature's rules, you start to realize very quickly that free T3 levels fall when we have a lot of environmental mismatches in our diet. And when that happens, the key point is you cannot turn LDL cholesterol to prayer alone. Therefore, the rest of your hormone chain becomes trash. And so in patients like that, we'll see low-level... steroid hormones, and usually low vitamin D. Uh, And the vitamin D function is important for activating the neuroimmune system in the brain. And when you cannot activate the neuroimmune system in the brain, basically immunity starts to decrease not only in the brain but also in the peripheral system. 
And this is where we start seeing some of the diseases that are associated with modern life. Uh, I mean, it's a very complex, you know, chain of events that happens, but where it all begins and today most of the people listening to this blog post are not even aware that circadian biology is the big effect. In fact, if most people knew this, if you look at our genome, the human genome, which has maybe 25,000 genes, one of the things that you'd be shocked to know is that in front of every single human gene is a circadian clock gene. And mm. that's precisely why circadian biology is extremely important because it's tied to both the vitamin A and vitamin D cycle in the brain. And this brings back the point that we brought up earlier. This is precisely how the photoelectric effect is quantified by biology. Um, and it's very, very counterintuitive to, for people to look at food like photons and electrons, but the point that I try to make to people is, you know, Intel uh, engineers get paid millions of dollars to move electrons over silicon wafers. Well, basically food is exactly the same thing. It moves photons and electrons over our inner mitochondrial membrane efficiently to maintain a very high current. And when our current is very high, we make more ATP. And most people listening to this probably have a pretty good idea about biology. Most people know that from one mo um, mole of glucose, we make 36 ATP. From one mole of, say, fat, like palmitic acid, we make 147 ATP. So we make four times the amount. Well, guess what the PPP is all about? It's about maximizing ATP um, current, and that's the reason why uh, a ketogenic template is far more energy efficient and extremely important in this pathway. And it's also the reason why fat burning uh, is not, I wouldn't say is used by modern humans at all anymore. In fact, they very rarely use it. And this is one of the, the best ways you can correlate this is you start to ask people about their sleep. And you look at their DHEA level, you look at their vitamin D level, you look at the hormone panel and put it all together and you get to get, get some interesting insights to exactly what the molecular clock genes are doing on their genome. Um, and it, it's complex stuff, but when you really start to understand how everything clicks together, you can actually really have major, major impacts on Neolithic diseases and begin to reverse them. And, and this is exactly how I reverse my obesity. Uh, I, I ate uh, an extremely ketogenic diet uh, packed myself in ice and used the photoelectric effect to my benefit for 11 straight months. And the effects were dramatic. Keto, can you explain uh, the ketogenic diet for people who may not know what that is? Is that a low-carb paleo diet, or what exactly is that? Well, I, I look at it, again, differently. I don't like to put labels on things, whether it's paleo, low-carb, high-fat. I, I want people to understand that the, the easiest way for me to explain to you is I tell people, eat like a, a great white shark. The goal is that you want to eat a high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carbohydrate diet 
because you're trying to stimulate as many electrons and photons to move across your inner mitochondrial membrane to guarantee that you're in the PPP constantly. You want to live as much of your life as possible in the major biochemical pathway that provides chemical reducing power for biosynthetic reactions. And the reason why is for the reasons we mentioned earlier in the podcast. We want to maximize ATP production, coenzyme A, NADP, and ADPH, FAD, RNA, and DNA synthesis. When we don't do that, we start to have problems. And that's one of the, the major factors when you live outside the PPP. This is the reason why cancers are d- distinctly linked to low DHEA levels, low vitamin D levels, and uh, abnormalities with sleep. Um, I mean, any, any study you look at now, uh, altered cellular signaling is almost always tied back to these factors. So if you're able to increase the current or the electron density in your mitochondria, you are doing huge benefits in terms of reversing whatever disease you want. Um, the key factor in all this, I believe in the modern world, is the one that's completely hidden from people. It's the field that people live in. When I use the word field, uh, I'm trying to uh, explain it um, to mean our environment. And, and let me give you a, a very quick idea of what I mean by the field. Uh, I want you to consider, Wendy, if you just say you weighed 120, or I should say 180 pounds, say, on Earth, um, an effect of the field would be on planet Mercury, you would weigh 68 pounds. On Venus, you'd weigh 166 pounds. On uh, Jupiter, you'd weigh about 4,800 pounds. But yet, well, back I'm, on Earth, you weigh 108. That <laughs> effect on mass is due to the gravitational field. Yes. Right, exactly. But that, that effect on mass is directly tied to the gravitational field. What I'm trying to explain to people has the relationship to mass. And this is where the magic of solving the obesity problem comes in. Um, if you realize that our field here on Earth has changed in the last 100 years, that's the reason why we're seeing the epidemics we're seeing. And, and as you know, since you're interested in longevity, any study that you find in obesity uh, automatically links Neolithic disease to obesity because it's tied to them because you're in an energy dis- deficient state. And when you're in an energy deficient state, that means you have altered cellular signaling, and it opens you up to heart disease, to atherosclerosis, you know, to cancer, to autoimmune diseases, to all the diseases that we all know and want to avoid. So the key factor with this pathway is when you are sick, you're better off to try to increase the density across your ATP to dig yourself out of that hole. And when you do that slowly over time, it will work. And that's what many people found. The problem, I think, for a lot of people with this is the best way to do it is also probably the most controversial. And that's where, you know, we have people like in Sweden who favor the the high-fat, low-carb diet. And then here in the States, the paleo diet's uh, a big big deal in, in... Sarah, my type of diet is a little bit, I would say it's an offshoot of the paleo diet. I call my diet the epi-paleo diet, and I've written based on the evolutionary biology of actually 
how humans evolved, and it's really focused around omega-3 fats from seafood. And the reason for that is omega-3 fats from seafood are probably the best foods available to support T3 functioning, also DHA in the brain, and eliminating inflammatory conditions in the brain. And, and if you've been reading any of my blogs, I tell people that basically obesity is an inflammatory brain condition. So anything that can decrease inflammation in the brain is going to have beneficial effects on our mitochondria. And if our mitochondria are more fuel efficient, that means we burn more energy and we make more ATP. That allows us to lose weight. And that's, that's really the key factor. The better you burn fats and the less you burn sugars is the less weight you'll be carrying around. And you'll have better detox pathways in which to replenish glutathione in order to detox the things that we face in our environment. Yeah, and I find that very interesting. It makes so much sense because uh, when you say that uh, overweight people tend to not burn energy very efficiently because so many studies show that overweight people don't you typically eat more food than people who are of average weight. And it's simply because they're just not burning that food for energy very efficiently, so they store it as fat. Well, that's true, and, and that's what underlies leptin resistance, because anybody who's obese by definition is leptin it, it, it actually allows us to uncouple um, oxidative phosphorylation in our muscles to burn calories as free heat. Well, guess what? When somebody's leptin resistant, they can't do that because uncoupling protein 1 in muscle needs free T3 and leptin to be working properly. And when you're leptin resistant and your T3 levels are trashed, you can't burn uh, fat. And not only that, you can't burn fat as free heat. That's part of the reason why when people start either a high-fat or high-protein diet, like such as the ketogenic diet to access the PPT, one of the things that they'll always notice is they get warmer and their temperature goes up. You know, if you read a lot of the sites on the Internet, people will say, oh, that's bad. No, it's not bad. It's actually a good sign because what you're doing is you're warming up your mitochondria to get ready to dig out of your hole to be able to burn that fat. And, and see, that's the problem that a lot of people don't realize. When you are sick or overweight, either or, you're coming from biology already in a rut. So the way you need to think about your problem is radically different than, say, someone who's a fit paleo athlete. And I think that that change of perspective is what people have a major problem with. And, you know, one of the benefits for me as a, a, a physician, I know the dogma that I was taught in medical school, but I also know what the lifestyle of living as an obese person was. And I can tell you, I didn't eat a ton of food, but I ate the wrong food. And I ate foods that uh, were out of the life cycle, had a poor, you know, uh, flow of current across my inner mitochondrial membrane, specifically carbohydrates. And I didn't realize until much later in the game that I could eat carbohydrates as long as I ate them at the right time of the year when I was able to tell the right seasons and perceive the right seasons in my brain. And this is where the vitamin A and vitamin D cycle came in. And, you know, most people these days understand 
that we have a pandemic in vitamin, low vitamin D levels. The real problem is that people don't really understand why we have a pandemic. And that's, that really goes to the crux of the issue. I'm actually kind of hoping eventually that that stimulates enough research where people start to realize that vitamin D and vitamin A are all about the photoelectric effect. And what, I kind of scoff at that, and I guess that creates more controversy because the photoelectric effect is a law of nature. It is not subject to randomized controlled clinical trials. Um, and I don't think people realize that. And maybe people think that's a radical statement to make, but I don't think it is. Um, this, is this has been found as a basic law of quantum physics, and Basically, what I'm telling people is that life, meaning biology, is all based on energy. The more energy efficient we are, the better off we'll be. And the way you monitor the photoelectric effect best is kind of how biology works. Biology takes the chaos of our environment and seeks order from it. Uh, and the only way to order that is through proper molecular timing. Uh, that's where the circadian biology comes in. And when the sense of timing is off in the brain, when neurologic time doesn't equal quantum time, was the system that was affected in my brain the most. Well, yeah, I think we established, like, one of the main reasons that keep people from entering the PPP is a diet that's too high in carbs. And the second reason that uh, keeps people from entering the PPP is dehydration. Can you tell us more about that, specifically touching on how water is connected to the PPP and how do we calculate our total body water and total body water deficit to see how off the pathway we are? Well, I will tell you, calculating total body water deficit in the podcast is, is kind of just going to confuse the hell out of people. Okay. <laughs> but I will tell you the easiest way to explain it uh, to people who don't have a big biochemistry background. It's very simple. Most people know that when a woman gets pregnant, her progesterone level goes up. That's why they call it progestation, uh, because that hormone allows women to retain water. What happens to women as they get pregnant? They retain more water, and it's total body water, their ankles swell, their ligaments swell, uh, they get bigger. Now, what people don't realize is why is water a huge effect? Water acts as a magnetic dipole in the body, meaning that it can carry energy, okay? Um, now, remember earlier when we talked about the PPP, I told you that you can't enter if you have a chronic pregnenolone-steel syndrome. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. How do we make progesterone? We make it from LDL cholesterol, free T3, and vitamin A. Well, if you can't convert LDL cholesterol to pregnenolone, guess what the next... Make progesterone, that means, by definition, you're dehydrated. In other words, your water level is low. How would some of your listeners prove this point to themselves Say if they weren't pregnant. Just say if they were living their normal everyday life in Malibu, California, and you wanted to know it's very simple. Go get yourself a B1 and creatinine ratio on a chem center. 
Uh, that test is, is routinely done by all physicians for a variety of different issues. And I tell people on my site that ideally, when your PPP is activated, your BUN creatinine ratio is going to be 7 to 1. Uh, most people that come walking through my doors in my clinic are between 15 and 25 to 1. Paleo forms, I ask to go back and look, especially when they have poor sleep and low DHT levels, go back and look at your BUN creatinine ratio. That basically becomes the proxy for what your progesterone level is. The key factor then, in terms of putting this all together, is by using all your other labs to figure out, well, am I a fat burner or a sugar burner? And this is where it brings right back to the PPP. If you're living in that fat burning pathway, you're making a boatload of ATP. You're also uh, you're not going to have any problems with your progesterone level. And, and why is this a big deal? Because we know that women who are infertile tend to be dehydrated. Um, they also usually are leptin resistant. They don't make enough progesterone. And just to use another real-world example with women, women who are infertile, the doctors, infertility doctors, put them on. They put them on progesterone. Uh, and this is before the reason for that is water is very electron dense. But the problem is if you're eating a diet that doesn't match the electron density of water, you create your own problem. So in other words, if you're eating a diet with fat, you're going to have an epic, epic problem develop. Uh, it turns out that women who eat a high fat, moderate, uh, carb, I should say, moderate protein diet tend to do best. And believe it or not, this is exactly how uh, brain function works best. In fact, my current blog post gets into this issue right now about uh, babies and why they're born fat uh, and, and why children are designed to breastfeed uh, to eat their mother's milk, which is high in fat, moderate in, in protein, and very low in carbohydrates. Um, this story, this story ties directly to obesity. And one of the, the, I guess, the amazing things that people really have forgot to observe is that all human babies are born fat, uh, and the reason they're born fat is because they're born with an immature neurologic system, and they don't have any myelin around their brain. That's the reason why human infants have to be careful, but they're all fat. What is the subcutaneous fat a human designed to do? Is to be broken down, used through the PPP to help myelinate their brain. Uh, what else do we know about babies in the first six months of their life? They all have poor immune systems. They rely on their mother's immunity until they can myelinate to make their own neurohumoral response in their brain. So guess what that means? It means that the immune system is directly tied to active myelination in the brain. Research that was done 50 years ago by a guy named Robert O. Becker showed this to be completely true. Now, most people know that human babies are born fat. Well, I want you to scale a human infant's fat. If a baby's born energy inefficient, so its brain can be smaller to fit out a vagina, what does that mean for a fat person? It also means that they're energy efficient for some reason or inefficient for some reason. 
And that's the job really of the health coach, the chiropractor, the physician, the physical therapist, the author, the, the podcast or the blog post to help people understand. There are things in our environment that we observe all the time that help explain these paradoxes. The I don't believe people try to explain the story through biology and chemistry. That's not the best way to do it. In my view, the best way to do it is to use nature's laws because they're pretty easy. Uh, there are only three of them, uh, and we have we have observations right in our solar system that show that Mars is a dead planet, and it's got two out of the three factors. The only one it doesn't have is a magnetic field. And when you start to put this perspective on obesity, you start to realize why people have MS. You start to realize why MS is associated with autoimmunity. You start to understand Hashimoto disease better. You start to understand why people would have Titus E do far better on a ketogenic diet. Uh, The ketogenic diet. It begins to make sense why people with seizure disorders do better on a ketogenic diet. Uh, and if you really sit down with it for a period of time, you begin to understand neurodegenerative disorders better, and you start to understand why Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease have exploded in the last 50 years. And let's face it, Wendy, you and I are both interested in longevity. Uh, every single Neolithic disease out there is tied to these three factors, and these three factors are basically all codified in this PPP pathway. The problem is we have to scale our understanding from that viewpoint down to this pathway. And maybe then we can stop looking at comparing one diet to another and realize that our diet is supposed to be scaled to life cycles and can really determines what you probably should be eating. the diet that's found at the equator is very different than the diet that's found up in the Arctic Circle. But yet, life is still able to exist in both places quite well. And I guess this is one of the really counterintuitive things that I've learned about quantum physics uh, that a lot of people have a hard time understanding. It's not about food. It's not about the diet. It has been. It's about how we use the photoelectric effect and how it's codified in our food as the seasons change based on where we live. Well, can you tell us uh, what are the main indicators of how far out of the PPP we are? Well, I think the easiest one uh, is for people to know is the BUN granny ratio. But I'll tell you another one that I like to use, the sex hormone binding globulin. I like to use uh, salivary melatonin, vitamin D, and I also like to use an adrenal stress index. If I have all of those with a couple of other labs, I can tell quite a bit. I can tell just how – I can tell you if you're a Ferrari or a Nissan Sentra blowing black smoke. The more – see, there's no one lab test that actually tells you anything you need to have a battery of lab tests to be able to paint the picture. It's kind of like saying, well, how could Michelangelo paint some of the paintings that he painted or Da Vinci 
or anyone, for that matter, if they only had one or two colors. The more colors we have, is the more depth of field that we'll get for our perception. It's no different than it is with laboratory values. But if you ask me, the best ones are probably the ones I already mentioned. Uh, many people find it hard to guess salivary melatonin levels, but I think for the people who are the sickest, that's probably the best indicator. Vitamin D status is another good one. DHEA, is, which we talked about earlier, is a great one. Because most people don't understand how DHEA ties directly back to IL-6 and NF-kappa-beta in the brain. And when NF-kappa... They're arresting membrane potential in the neurons. It tells me about um, their inability to make hormones because parts of their brainstem are no longer working well. And parts of a brainstem, the brainstem that are... are working are on the top of the brainstem and on the bottom of the brainstem. And why are those things important to your listeners? Because the top environment of the brainstem of the human is where the parasympathetic and sympathetic autonomic nervous system comes from. And weight gain and weight loss. The parasympathetic system allows us to rest and digest appropriately. The sympathetic system is the one that's highly activated in people who are left in resistance. And it's really a balance between those two systems uh, that ultimately will determine how well you do. And people that have an unbalanced autonomic nervous system tend to be the people that do not live in the Pentos phosphate pathway. It's the yeah, people that, that who would be me. <laughs> are able to access the pathway well that tend to have stuff together because I believe on people's labs, if they're directed to get their the right labs, they can figure out for themselves really where they are on on this whole Venn diagram of uh, nutrition because one of the things I think that's very difficult for most people, because most people look at diet and food the way they do, it's very, you can go in the literature and find good and bad about every single diet. But the problem is, one, has to be placed in context. And the only way to place your N equals in context is to get your labs and realize how effective you are at using water, the photoelectric effect, and the magnetic field, where you currently live in the things that you're doing. Um, this is part of the reason why I've gotten in trouble in the paleo community because the paleo diet for certain people is not the best choice. Uh, is it a step in the right direction from the standard American diet or the vegan diet? Absolutely. But are there limitations to that diet for certain people? Yeah. If, if you have, if you're real, real sick or you have a disease that needs to be reversed, the paleo diet doesn't go far enough for some of those people. It gets them better than what they were but it cannot reverse their disease. And that's part of the reason why you see people say, well, this is what you need to do, or you, you need to revert back to, you know, eating more carbohydrates. Well, that's not true. You, you have to understand your personal context in order to figure out where you should go next. But here's the key factor. All life is energy, and all energy is life. 
The more energy efficient you are, the higher your health quotient will be and the better your wellness will be. That I can say axiomatically without a doubt. And that's the reason why, Wendy, I choose to look at food as photons and electrons and not fats, carbohydrates, or proteins. Yeah, can you explain, so you said that the paleo diet may not be best for many people that have a, a really serious illness or whatnot. How does that relate to your epipaleo diet? Is that where your diet comes in? You explain some of those maybe differences or adjustments that people need to make in a paleo diet? Yeah, well, the major, the major issue is if you have a disease that's linked to brain inflammation and basically leptin resistance, is tied to just about every Neolithic disease that we know about in the literature, that means that you have to destroy uh, inflammation in your brain. The paleo diet uh, is really, really good at lowering inflammation but not destroying it. It's also very good at providing uh, a lot of protein to the diet, and protein acts as an energy carrier in the cell architecture. That's the reason why the paleo diet is very good. But what's the missing link in the paleo diet? Uh, the missing link is iodine, DHA, in high quantities to destroy IL-6 and NF-kappa in the brain. And the interesting thing, uh, I guess the, the world expert on the paleolithic diet is Dr. Warren Cordain, and I would direct people to read his latest book, which is about a year and a half old now, called The Paleo Answer. And if you just look, I think it's pages... Uh, Uh, when he talks about the nutrient density of the paleolithic diet, one of the things that you'll notice that's very interesting that he seems to have missed, seafood outperforms in every single chart in that book. And when people begin to look at this, they'll start to realize there's a reason for that. See, I guess the popular belief that's in what I would call the paleo 1.0 books, it's like Mark Sisson's book, uh, Rob Wolf's book, uh, even uh, Paul Jamais' book, is they focus a lot on the protein and the fat side. Your factor that forms neurons and, and the cell membranes in, in the brain. And if you start to look at evolutionary biology of the human brain, this is when you start having to look at the work of uh, Michael Crawford and Stephen Cunane. what is in Cordain's tables. And they take the paleolithic diet to a new level. Uh, there's, there's other guys out there. In fact, one of the other researchers' name is Remco Coopers, who presented at the Ancestral Health Symposium last year at Harvard. And he focuses on shore-based diets in Africa and looks at hunter-gatherer people. And he made the comment at the Ancestral Health Symposium last year on Twitter that he was surprised that no one else was talking about seafood-laden diets in terms of the Paleolithic diet. And that's the missing link. Uh, you and I talked earlier about dehydration with PPP. Well, guess what? Most people who suffer what they call paleo low-carb flu, the reason they have it is because they're dehydrated. And what people don't realize is magnesium is uh, a cation that's involved in 56 different enzymes in energy generation. Magnesium is a hydrophilic cation, meaning if you're dehydrated, 
magnesium, even if you're supplementing, it won't work. It has to be diluted in water. Uh, and that is the missing link for most people on that diet. So if you're a paleo person and you've gotten better, great. I would challenge you that if you stop losing weight, if you haven't reversed your Hashimoto's, if you haven't met some of the goals that other people in paleo have done, I would say get a B-weight creatinine ratio and see if you're dehydrated. If you are, that means that your disease process is far past what paleo can do. Then you need to completely upgrade your experience by looking at it uh, through an epipaleo approach. And that's where you need to add more water. Uh, yeah, that makes, so need to that makes add so more much DHA. sense. Yeah, because in the past when I've done the paleo diet and I've that's been really key. strict about it and like not eating any grains or carbs or whatnot, I think I would start to maybe not feel well after a little while. And I think it's definitely because I was dehydrated. I mean, I drink plenty of water now, but I think that is it's a, a, right. a wonderful point that you're making. Well, one of, the, one of the other things I would tell people, you know, in the paleo community, if you go on PaleoHack's website, it's remarkable when you see vegans jump to the paleo diet or you see somebody jump from a standard American diet to the paleo diet. Most people report their health feels better, but the interesting thing is they all complain of constipation. And what people don't realize yes. is constipation is directly tied to low magnesium and low water levels in the body. And I, I tell everybody, look, you can go to any lab place now and get a, a Chem 7 done for 30 bucks. Look at what your B-line creatinine ratio is and, and put together what I'm saying here on this podcast. You may start to realize that paleo is a great step in the correct direction, but some of us need more. And when I was a real sick human at 360 pounds, paleo wasn't cutting it. I needed to go above and beyond that. And if you've got a serious autoimmune condition, you know, you've got antiphospholipid syndrome or you've got Hashimoto's, you've got severe Lyme disease with chronic fatigue, listen, you're not like somebody who just has 30 pounds to lose. You're a different kind of cat. And that's where my whole point about your N equals one comes into play. And you need to really understand that we aren't all creating equal. And the environment that we all find ourselves in is different. I made the comment... a different room. You have the same genome, but if you're in a different room in the same house, you have a completely different biology. Uh, and that is the science of epigenetics. And people don't realize that nanoscopic differences on how we handle photons and electrons on our inner mitochondrial membrane lead to massive phenotypic changes in diseases. And that is, again, one of the counterintuitive points about how biology works. And I think people will begin to understand my perspective when they begin to understand that if you just use nature's laws, those three simple laws I keep coming back to, you won't make food mistakes anymore. You really won't. Because I think when you focus in on nutrition and food, the literature is so jumbled in this area, it's very easy to get confused. Very easy. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, I'm actually just guzzling water right now. <laughs> I try not to be dehydrated. Um, but I think that's um, a very important point that you're making that people, you know, yeah, they need to eat a paleo diet, but they also need to be eating lots of seafood as well. So I'm really happy about that because I love sushi. <laughs> 
Um, but I have just one more question that I like to ask all of my guests, and that is, what do you think is the most pressing health issue in our world today? I would say the amount of electropollution that we've allowed in our environment and the fact that the Environmental Protection Agency hasn't assayed the amount of electropollution in our environment since 1979. Considering that the tech boom and how we use our electric power grid has changed dramatically over the last 112 years and completely parallels, you look at disease generation, um, the work of Dr. Robert O. Becker in this area, the guy was nominated twice for a Nobel Prize and never won. People need to go back to read what he found 50 years ago and read what he wrote before he died. Uh, he said it was the biggest risk. And in all of my research in the last 10 years, every single thing that he said ties back to those three factors, the photoelectric effect, magnetism, and water, every single one of them. And I think when people begin to realize that we have missed a giant, giant issue, uh, and it has very little to do with food, then I think we're going to make a huge impact. I think this is so far off of everybody's radar because they simply don't understand physics. So you think one of the biggest problems is like EMFs and wireless internet and other electromagnetic fields that we're dealing with every day? Absolutely. The major biologic effect of, of EMF is guess what, Wendy? Dehydration. That's mm. what the non-thermal effect is. That's what Becker found in his work. And what did we just spend almost a whole hour talking about? Dehydration and the effect that it has. See, the problem is, is when we knock off neurologic time from quantum time. It's because in our cells, we're basically dehydrating. Well, that effect is magnified. Uh, and when you live your life every single day this way, the effect uh, becomes a logarithmic effect. You know, I talked about this actually recently on my blog series that's tied to the, you know, the EMF, Biology doesn't work on regular linear mathematics. It works on something called stochastic calculus. And stochastic calculus works on this square root phenomenon. You don't have to know any of the math. This is the point. The point is, is that the effect is dramatic. A small little change in energy generation can lead to massive phenotypic changes in all life forms. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that not only are humans getting fatter and sicker, we're seeing that marmosets are, earthworms are, monkeys are, our pets are. When you start to see that all life forms that depend on energy generation are also suffering from the same issues, you need to realize that maybe this is a field effect. Just like we talked about earlier about the gravitational field effect on weight on different parts of the solar system, maybe the electromagnetic field effect that we're currently experiencing in our atmosphere is having the same type of effect on our biology. And because with EMF, our brain doesn't see it, taste it, or perceive it, that's the big problem. 
And that's really what the point of Becker's work was. Um, and most people, at least in the paleo community, are completely oblivious to this man's work. Um, and I think it's fast time that people who are interested in ancestral health and evolutionary biology better start to look at what he wrote because it was nothing short of amazing. Yeah, it is really frightening that we are, you know, you look on your wireless internet service and there are 10 or even 20 wireless internet uh, providers or our networks all around us and we're just surrounded by these EMFs constantly. It's really, really frightening. Well, Wendy, this is the point. This is the point that I tried to make to you earlier. Remember when we were talking about the PPP? I told you that your N equals one, and the field that you live in matters. Well, I got news to you. Where you live in Malibu, and where I am down by the Gulf, are radically different. I can promise you that the way you handle magnetism, water, and the photoelectric effect even if we ate exactly the same, it's radically different because of where we live. And see, mm -hmm. this is the point that I'm trying to make to people. This is the big point. You know, there's, there's been something in epidemiologic uh, history of the last 112 years that no one's been able to explain. The fact that cancer rates are higher in cities. Well, guess what? Becker had the smoking gun pointed right to it. He knew exactly the reason why. And the reason why because EMF levels are much higher in cities for the reason you just mentioned. Because now, if you go, and I did this test. Uh, I went to 57th Street and 5th Avenue in New York City about a year and a half ago and put my iPhone on, and I picked up 57 wireless networks. Wow. Where I currently live right now, I can't even pick up. And why do I live where I live? Because I realize that I'm mitigating... laws of nature. And I've even got a blog post about this very issue. It's called, Does Where You Live Matter? And when I posted it, I don't think people really understood where I was going with it. But what you just said is exactly the difference. Where you live matters a lot. And if you start to look at epidemiologic data, you're going to start to realize why certain people get sicker than others. You're also going to start to realize why it is that autoimmune disease is much more common the further you get away from the equator. Why is that? For the reasons we already mentioned, because your, your diet has to be far more ketogenic the further you get off of the equator, and it's all about energy. That's the reason why MS shows the, the epidemiologic predilections that it does. But people are not looking at these diseases through the lenses that I'm sharing with you today. We're trying to explain it through the crap that's written in a biochemistry textbook. Well, that's not how the rules of discuss anything except E equals MC squared. G squared is the photoelectric effect. Mass is a measure of how things are affected by the gravitational electromagnetic field it's in, and energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. Well, guess what? We are seeing energy transformed every single day of our lives when we use these modern tech gadgets that we think are so great. I would tell you that maybe that thought 
to be the one thing that's subjugating paleolithic genes. Yeah, that's really frightening. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your your knowledge on that because it is really, really important for people to hear that, that they, you know, maybe need to get out of the city a little bit and move to the country or at least turn off Internet service and plug their computer into uh, their Ethernet. Um, but, Dr. Chris, uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your books and webinars and, and anything else you'd like the listeners to know about your work, like where you practice and whatnot? Yeah, I, I've written a book. It's called The Epipaleo Prescription. You can get it on Barnes & Nobles or Amazon. Um, I have a blog post at jackruse.com. Uh, the blog post tends to be designed to hurt your head. I'm trying to teach you <laughs> all of this hardcore data so you can apply it yourself. Um, but there are some – I also have a form on my website that I would tell you is great. Um, I always tell people that I'm trying to transform people – into starfish so that other people can help other people get well. I honestly believe the, the revolution to help is going to be formed not from my profession, but from people who are interested in reversing their diseases and getting better. And I believe that we all are all, all part of our life is to help others. And once you become enlightened to something, I believe you have a duty to share your knowledge with other people. And that's why I listen to stuff on my, my website's free. Uh, the webinars are for my members. Uh, the webinars are where I get into the nitty-gritty. Uh, for example, in July, work on 60 hertz power systems and some of the work that he did with the U.S. military uh, on ELF, EMS, uh, that were used to track nuclear submarines. And I also talk about the research that Becker uncovered and where stealth bombers came from. Uh, believe it or not, it's tied to this EMF stories. I also talked about uh, Dr. Wertheimer's study in, in Denver that was done in 1979 that clearly pointed the smoking gun at EMF and obesity and childhood cancers. Um, last month was a, a webinar that I did with Earl McCore of Movement where we talked about such as P. CT, ketamine, and fencyclidine actually have been shown to be extremely effective uh, uh, for suicidal depression. And we talked about why that's the case. And we also talked about evolutionary uh, exercise and movement because I think Urban McCor is probably the, the world leader on having exercise for the human being down correctly. He, he understands the benefit of being out in nature with your shoes off, getting the sun and moving naturally through the environment instead of doing it through a gym, lifting weights, an artificial environment. Um, I, I've done webinars about bioidentical hormones uh, and how to find a doctor to do that. There's, there's a lot of different things that we do for members, and these are done through uh, memberships that are at different levels. Form on there called Ask Jack. Uh, Usually people will drop pretty pointy questions in there. Most people who, who join that really like it because the amount of information that's there alone is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll get inundated with data. And then I, I would also tell people that, that one of the best free sources on my site, in my opinion, is the comments on a blog post. 
I think you can learn a tremendous amount uh, from the comments and people putting things down there. You know, many people out in the Paleolithic community like to put words in people's mouths who are controversial. And trust me, I love controversy because I think the only way to get ideas out there is to be controversial, to get people to look at things they're not looking at. But when you look at the blog comments, I'm actually trying to get people to really understand the core issue of what they're asking. Um, and, you know, I answer every single comment that's left on my blogs. Uh, I, I look at that as my duty as a physician to try to help people who are trying to help themselves. Because I think for all too long, most people have gone to doctors and they haven't got the answers they need to get. I know that. I, I feel I felt, you know, prior to becoming enlightened 10 years ago that there was many people that I could have helped if I just would have applied some of the things that I learned as a, a young child to my profession. Now I'm, I'm paying that debt back. And if, if I can help you, I will bend over backwards to do it. But, you know, there's only 24-7 in a day, and I still have to, you know, do my day job as a neurosurgeon. So um, I, I do what I can, and that's part of the reason why I enjoy coming on and doing podcasts with people like you because I look at, you know, your your whole modus operandi as starfish as well because while we may not agree on many things, you're trying to help people, and I respect that, and I believe, you know, I have a duty to come on here and discuss these ideas. And then, you know, I always say to people, it's the mark of an educated mind that can hold, you know, a concept in their mind and not accept it as their personal truth, but examine it and then apply it. And and I applaud you for, you know, you doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And, you know, Dr. Twist, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. And it's so important for physicians like yourself to inform people about how to truly take control of their health and attempt to change how medicine is practiced. And we need great physicians like yourself on the inside, changing how healthcare is delivered by promoting health through prevention, rather than you know merely treating symptoms with medication and surgery. So thank you so much for the important work that you're doing and talking to us today about you know what's really uh, the underlying issues causing the obesity issue. Thank you so much. Well. No problem, Wendy, and I'll leave you, uh, I kind of will leave you with uh, this thought. This is probably my best parting shot. I would tell everybody to become addicted to the things that nature does. It's the only way that we can make it through the things we choose to do and remain healthy. Nature is really the only straight edge that you should be using when you're the architect of the blueprint of your life. We own. My philosophy in a nutshell. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Cruz. And for all you listeners out there. Take care. Yeah, thank you so much. 
And for listeners out there, Dr. Cruz is offering a special package for a Live to 110 listeners. Uh, for only $49, you'll receive two webinars on the PPP and fat loss in women and a three-month membership to Jack's Silver Club. And that's a total value of $206 for only $49. This is a very good opportunity for you to take a peek into his membership club and these two really, really good webinars. And uh, his webinars, they're so informative and well put together. I highly recommend them. And you can take advantage of this offer by going to jackcruise.com slash live to 110.com. I'm sorry, just live to 110. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the Live to 110 podcast. Please go leave a review on iTunes if you enjoyed what you heard today. And your review will increase my visibility on iTunes and help me spread the word on health. And thank you so much for listening.